Welcome to the Center for International and Regional Studies at Georgetown University in Qatar. This episode is part of the Migrant Voices in Qatar podcast series. The project aims to highlight the life stories of migrants working in Qatar in their own words. My name is Junior. I'm 29. I was born and raised in Kenya. I came to Qatar four years ago. Okay, so there was these two kids, uh, they were teenagers. My mom was 16, they fell in love. And, you know, uh, my mom got pregnant when she was around 16 years old. So she got a kid who was my sister. Then three months later, she, she got pregnant again. Now, the mother of my dad, she was not okay with that. So she had to throw out. My mom had to go back to uh, her little home. And that's where I was born. But the fact that she was a teenager, she doesn't know how to take care of uh, children. So when I was born, she left me in uh, her, ho- her home. I was almost to die because I was born premature as well. Life uh, became so difficult. Uh, I used to eat, um, you know, after some, somebody has eaten like the corn, I'll take well, the, the middle part and suck that and, and eat that for, for food. My mom decided to come and pick me up because my dad was a driver and he had already got a job by the time I was one years old and uh, my mom was going around uh, you know cleaning uh, clothes for people for pay it wasn't uh, it wasn't much but we could eat when I was like two three years old I was introduced now to my sister because until now I didn't even know I have a sister actually I have a firstborn sister that is only 11 months older than me and because she was left with my grandmother from my dad's side and uh, by the time we were in class three, I was what seven years old. They de- they decided to separate because we used to fight all the time. Because he has another kid outside, it looked normal back then. But as I grew older, I understood how it actually affected us as uh, their kids. Now um, they separated, and then they decided the man to go with the son, and then the the woman to go with their daughter because she's a girl. Only to realize that my mom was getting married one year later. She got married and uh, she introduced my sister. She even took their name, their last name, as a surname. She went to college. Those, she was not friends with my mom because she will, she will always be angry with my mom because she knows where the brother is. She will always ask about me and all that. So she's never really had a good relationship with my mom. My dad took me to the second wife. She has a kid with my, my dad. The second wife ended up mistreating me and I was waking up in the morning. I have to milk the cow, I have to deliver the milk, I have to do some jobs I, I, I was not used to. I'm taking my sister to school, my stepsister to school, and coming back to be a homeboy. My dad could not do anything about it because my dad is a drunkard. I decided to run away because it was hard. It was easier for me being in the streets than living with this lady. So I became a street kid. At this point, I'm like, what, eight years old? And I even remember my first night sleeping on uh, in, the, in the cold. I slept on cartons. You know, one thing people don't realize is dreaming is not for a surviving child. Because you only worry about what you're going to eat and where you're going to sleep. So you cannot dream about one day I can actually have my own house, I can actually afford a car, you know. I'd really opened up my mind to see, like, I can actually achieve something as young as I was. So when I got to the street, I found uh, the kids, you know, they only collect the plastics and the steel iron to sell, to weigh and then sell so that they can eat and uh, use glue. So for me, I, glue was not my thing. I just wanted to be out of the streets. 
So what I did was I will take 10 street kids and instead of letting them like take all this uh, load to go and weigh go and weigh it, I would buy it from them and then I do it myself. They just wanted the money. You know, it's like how, how the drug addicts normally do and then make some profit from that. So this is how I survived. Now, at this point, I used to call my mom and ask her, like, why don't you, you know, take me back? I'm a street kid. Yes, I'm making some money, but I'm still a street kid. And I know she's living okay. I'm, I'm assuming she's living okay. So she used to, like, uh, tell me, like, don't worry, I'm going to see how I can, what I can do. And then she will send me some money to just shut me up. And, like, I'll send you some money so that you can buy yourself some clothes, you know. I will feel happy out of this. So, a few months later, I realized uh, she was okay with me coming back, but I could not live with her. I didn't know why. So, my one of my aunt took me in, one of her sisters. So, they took me in, and uh, they will throw me back and forth. So, this one will stay with me for like two months, and then I'll be thrown to the other home for two months. At this point, I'm doing everything. My aunt, at this time, had a small child, a small son. I love this kid, by the way. He's like a brother to me. I will take care of him, he, she will go to work the whole day, come back. I'm with the kid, I've changed the kid, I've fed the kid. So I'll just do anything they ask me so that I can, you know, remain. The truth was, when my mom got married, she never said she has a son. She said she has only have one daughter because she was scared that if she says she has a son, you know, the other family will not take me in and I'm a boy. It got to a point where now I had to find a job when I was young. And then I was working in clubs, making as a waiter, and then I, prom I was promoted being a bartender. By the time I was 14, 15 years old, uh, in high school I used to sell anything I could sell. Clothes, <laughs> honestly, just my way of uh, escaping everything that is happening at home. When we were closing school for a month, I hated it. Everybody is going home, and me, I don't have anywhere to go. So we find, like, for example, when we have, like, Parents' Day, and nobody is coming, that was really hurting me. So I had to hide that ever since I was a child. After high school, um, I did not do well because it was a struggle. Once I cleared high school, I found another job as a bartender. I used to love you know, being a waiter and a bartender because of the tips. It's always been like that until when I hit 21. At this point now, I'm starting to have thoughts. I did not really understand anything to do with mental health. I started having thoughts. I was drinking too much just to get my mind off these thoughts. I could not understand where these thoughts were coming from because when I was growing up, I understood I was living a terrible life, but I was a happy kid. I've always been a happy kid. I was always that guy who, who will dance anytime. I will win all the shows. I was always a happy, kid, a happy child. But now when I hit 21, things started changing. I started becoming mad all the time, having thoughts about, you know, suicidal thoughts all the time. And even if you ask me why I had these thoughts, I could not explain it. It became very serious. At this point, I have nobody in my life. I had a girlfriend. That she stood with me for years, like trying to see how she can help me because she understands me. She's, she, she did understand me more than I could understand myself. But it couldn't, it couldn't work because me, I'm in a place where I, I don't know who I am. You know, I'm, try, I'm struggling with that. She gave up as well. Uh, one night I was in my room because now I'm broke. The only thing I'm doing, I'm drinking and I'm not eating enough. I'm in my room and uh, I knew that was the last day I'd be on this planet. Now I'm 22 years old. I decided to, you know, commit suicide. I was serious about it. I don't know what happened. I was just serious. I knew I'm tired. I'm just tired. This night, um, 
I bought uh, this medicine for killing rats. I'm ready to drink it. I was ready. I was ready. I was done. Like I was ready to go. Before I drank this poison, because this one could kill me, I knew it would, it would have killed me. Something happened. I don't know what really happened, but something just happened. My mind was clear. Just, my mind just became clear. It, it, it's nothing to do with religion. It's nothing to do with anything that I've been taught religiously or anything I've known about my life. My mind just became clear. I could, and I could know what to do and how to do it at that moment. Took that drink, went and poured it, and came back to my room. I was so happy. I was, I was a completely different person. I, honestly, I cannot understand it. I, till today, I'm still puzzled. Call my mom, call my dad. Look, I know what happened. I understand your your you were kids. I, I I got the answers. Everything that happened, I I will I understood. I told them, look, you, you don't have to live in pain for the rest of your life, trying to see whether I'll ever come to question you or anything or I hate you. I'm not from a religious family, but in our family we are Catholic. So I decided like um, I'm happy, but I need to I need some clarity. I need some closure to understand what really happened. Why why why? Well, for one day I'm just this mad and angry, and then one day I'm just happy. So I decided to go for a retreat for one week. Yeah, there is this retreat people normally go, and then they stay there, they live there for one one week. And then actually the, the, the priest is Indian. He started teaching us about inner wounds, about mental health. Even if it's a church, he focused more on the things that I wanted to hear. As much as I'm not really religious, I could understand how God really works. Yeah. in his own ways, in his own time. And he chose me for a reason. So that's, that's the confidence that I've always had ever since. So after that retreat, um, I prepared myself to, you know, to come to Qatar and got the job very easy. Came to Qatar within, uh, I came to 2018, I did a few months, lockdown hit. And then I had to stay in my room for eight months. It was bad. It was terrible because me, I'm not used to in sitting down you know, my life. I want to do something. Uh, they opened again. People want to go visit their families and all that. Me personally, me, I'm okay investing my time. I'm okay staying here even for six years just to see what I can, I can do and you know build. I don't want to be just employed. I've exhausted my four years savings just trying to find something. Just you know, make to make something work. It has not been working ever since COVID. And the lockdown because now I need funds where I normally try to work with migrant workers like me to help them with their mental health. I'm not a professional so I decided to find two professionals. I have friends with a psychotherapist and a therapist to see how I can actually help workers for free because these are guys who are getting paid 1000 That I says minimum wage is 1000 This is what they're getting every month. They have five kids at home. This guy has not gone home for five, six years old. The child even doesn't want to talk to him on the phone. So you can imagine what this man is going through. And then you're mistreating the person at the same time. So I'm not a savior, but at least I can do something. Because it's very hard for men to, men to speak up. People do not take us seriously. Yeah, it's like a man crying in public. Like very few people will really care, you know. But me, I want to listen because I understand I've been there. In Labor City, we are 50,000 migrant workers. People don't even know English, but I feel just comfortable talking to them, you know. Uh, I always, sometimes I normally have like a translator. With my program, it has been hard because now I've, 
honestly i've like exhausted all my savings my four years of savings but if i could get somebody who can actually come and chip in and help me like run this program i would be very happy because in qatar we are what almost 2.7 million 85% of those are migrant workers you can imagine what people are going through yeah and then you live in fear like i found uh, you know <laughs> if good confidence is applied it will beat intelligence honestly if these guys are able to like to stand up for themselves this will be amazing now i can't hear i find people being mistreated and they cannot say anything because they've been told they're going to be fired like, what is this it doesn't make sense I, it's not like i have a home to go back to, but i don't like when people are treated like this i've i've had racism experiences but it's not as bad as i normally see guys working outside from nepal bengali the way they're being treated it's not it's not right it's not really right but since i can't do anything about it even if you can't change their jobs can we just try to you know give them confidence on you know understanding these people that are trying to mis- to misuse them and create fear in their hearts so that they can continue staying here for the next 10 years decade and then they go home even the children do not know who they are personally I did not grow up with my dad and not grow up with my mom i don't know how to you know um what do you call it love mothers or a fathers love i don't know this i don't know i don't know what it it's like so sometimes even if i'm confident on doing other things i get scared on like what if i start a family and i'm not able to take care of this child you know or i ruin somebody's daughter's life the people that i'm trying to help they're people with families you know in india in nepal these are people that get married very fast and they are depressed they're depressed i know so many that wanted to commit suicide as suicidal who's going to help them their companies <laughs> they won't come through for them we're like ah oh, you go to work man even us we have stress now dude this guy is this guy is serious sometimes somebody will come in my room he has not gone home for 3 years the wife will not understand she even ended up telling him that that child is not even his <laughs> the guy came in my room was crying he'll tell me a story most of the time honestly i'm just there to just listen because these people just want to be hurt you know I, I, there was a time i also wanted to be hurt you know? I, i was dying for that but as a man in the society that you're living in right now ah man that is crazy <laughs> people don't take you seriously but men are really going through a lot you know honestly i i get more inspired when i'm listening to people's story most of them even i even come to realize that, oh my god even what i'm going through is actually not even serious you know they inspire me so we humans we are clueless about so many things we only know what we know so giving somebody else a chance i know so many people who are very smart who are working as construction workers securities they are super smart but nobody has taken time to actually you know know these people know what they can what they are capable of i was talking to my friend the other day and i was telling him like I wish Qatar with every they have all the resources if they could promote art if they could just try and invest in art anything they we have I know guys who can do acrobats you know they could be making something from this they, we have world cup why should they bring people from outside and they have migrant workers here 2 million plus migrant workers here and they can do all these acrobats and all, all these creating opportunity for this they even they motivating them to be more productive But you know I'm I'm a nobody so <laughs> but if it can work I really want it to work to help people the the culture that has been there for workers 
it's not working. It's just messing up people. It's just messing, and it's not only messing that one worker. If it's messing two two million people, these are people with families at home. It's affecting everyone. As much as they think the money is important, it's not. It's not. If actually I can do this for invest my life for this in for ten years, it can work. If if I find somebody who can believe in it, and I'm not in there for the money, I'm there to change some lives. Yeah. Honestly. So yeah. <laughs>